here we are. We're back again for our mental health moment in honor of Suicide Prevention Month. We're actually going to talk about something that many people uh, often feel like they don't want to talk about, which is suicide. You know, as you are uh, joining us, I want to talk a little bit about some of the common myths around suicide. I want to talk about kind of the current state of affairs and what we know are common warning signs and then sort of what do we do about it and specifically how do we talk with our kids about it. So for those of you who are new and don't know me, uh, my name is Dr. Beth Trammell and I am a licensed psychologist and I work mostly with kids and families. My focus is to make words matter. Uh, you can find me at makewordsmatterforgood.com. I have been working with kids and families for about the last 15 years or so as either a therapist or a psychologist. And so suicide has always been a part of my career as a mental health uh, worker. And so it's kind of second nature for therapists to just kind of know the warning signs and that sort of thing. But for folks who don't live this every day, it can feel kind of scary, right? Like, how do I talk about suicide or how do I talk about how do I talk about this with my kids or my family? Am I, am I going to suggest that that's something that someone should do if I bring it up? So we're going to talk through all of that a little bit here in just a second. In terms of suicide and uh, COVID, right? So we have some research that's coming out uh, about the psychological and social and emotional impact of coronavirus on us as adults. And then we have a little bit that's starting to come out on how COVID has impacted our kids from sort of this social, emotional, behavioral standpoint. And while we don't uh, have a lot of firm evidence yet to say, hey, has COVID caused an increase in uh, the rate of suicide? We don't really know that. But what we know is that clearly coronavirus has had increased psychological implications. And so with that in mind, we can also sort of say there may be folks at a higher risk of suicide as a result of the coronavirus. So um, I pulled up a couple of stats here and was kind of looking through the data from the CDC and data from other researchers, uh, the results from a recent survey in June of 2020. So very, quite very recent. Uh, usually we don't get uh, data for sometimes years, right? But this is um, pretty fresh right there kind of data. Overall, 40%, 40.9% of respondents reported at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition, including symptoms of anxiety disorder or depressive disorder. So 30% of the respondents said they've had at least anxiety or depression in, in relation to uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. Symptoms of a trauma or stress-related disorder related to the pandemic, 26% of respondents said, yes, that happened to me. And having started or increased substance use to cope with stress or emotions related to COVID, 13.3% of respondents. The percentage of respondents who reported having seriously considered suicide in the last 30 days before completing the survey, 10.7% of folks. So 10% of folks, you know, you might be hearing that number and saying, you know what, that doesn't sound like a ton of people. 10% doesn't sound like a ton of people. But 10% is a lot of people who have said, 
they have seriously considered suicide in the last 30 days. That is a lot, okay? The percentage of folks was significantly higher among respondents ages 18 to 24 years. So what this is saying to us is our college-age students, our adolescents, they are at a higher risk. Those are the ones that we need to be checking in with. How are you doing? Have you had thoughts of hurting yourself? Are you okay, right? Checking in with those folks based on this, that's what this is saying to us. The percentage of respondents was also significantly higher among minority racial ethnic groups and unpaid, self-reported unpaid caregivers for adults. So those of us who are caring for um, our adult loved ones, but we're not getting paid for it, right? So you're caring for your family or that sort of thing. And essential workers, all of those subgroups were reporting significantly higher levels of suicidal ideation, right? Or of, yeah, thinking, thinking about uh, suicide. So what does this mean for us, right? So there are some myths about suicide, right? Most of us feel like, okay, I don't want to talk about it with anyone because I don't want for them to think about it in their mind and then they're actually going to go do it. Actually, what we know is that talking with other people about it, specifically those folks who have been thinking about suicide, it actually opens the door for them to know that there is someone in their life that they can talk to about this. Now we're gonna talk about some safe ways to do that, okay? So hold tight. The myth is that talking about it will produce those results in other people. Another myth is that folks who talk about suicide aren't actually suicidal, they're only doing it to get attention. This is actually also a myth because actually one of the biggest predictors of folks who complete um, death by suicide have talked about it before. So when someone says, I'm contemplating suicide, that is not just a cry for attention. That is really, I'm not doing well. And I have actually, I have actually thought about this. So one of our warning signs is when people are, are talking about wanting to die, they're talking about not wanting to go on any further. Some other warning signs that we should be looking out for, increased substance use. So if they're drinking a lot more, if they're talking about dying, or if they're saying goodbye, if they're making final arrangements of any sort, most of the time, um, death by suicide is triggered by an overwhelming sense of hopelessness that things are not going to get better and I can't find my way out of this. So if you are in relationship with people who talk about things like that, those may also be red flags for you to then not ignore them and say, well, you know, it's probably just something they're saying. You have to kind of lean in. I know it's uncomfortable. There's something so powerful about letting go of the shame. There's so much shame around suicidal ideation, y'all. And so if someone comes to you and talks with you about wanting to harm themselves, realize it took so much courage to get over the feelings of shame. And that is an us problem. That is an all of us problem. We have got to help other people realize that the stigma around suicide can be no longer. 
you know, two years ago, um, I was at our annual psychological association uh, conference, and one of the keynotes was a fellow who talked about his his struggle with suicide. And now I can't remember what his name is, but I'll find it and I'll put it in the I'll put it in the notes for you because his story was so powerful, and he talked about the ripple effect of how. The day he had decided he was going to jump off of the Golden Gate Bridge, he prayed and prayed. He prayed and prayed and prayed that as he was on the bus going to the Golden Gate Bridge, he prayed that someone would intervene. Someone would see him. Someone would ask him, how are you? Are you doing okay? People actually, like, he was, he was crying on the bus and people made fun of him for crying. When he was walking out and he climbed over the other side and he was standing on the edge of the bridge, right, ready to jump. He looked to his left and he saw a woman coming near him and he said, thank God, here she is. She's going to stop me. She's going to save me. And uh, he said, she asked him to take a picture. And he said he knew in that moment that there was no one who was going to save him. And he jumped. And actually, he survived. He is one of very few folks who survived um, a jump off of the Golden Gate Bridge, which, by the way, one of the most common places that, that folks uh, try to, to, to die by suicide. I tell you that story because what I have experienced for folks who have high risks or high thoughts of suicide is that they want to connect, right? They want to connect with us. They want for us to help them. So as you are thinking about, are there people in my life that maybe have mentioned something like this? How can I be a better friend? Or if you're a person who has had thoughts of, maybe I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe I'm having a hard time and, and suicide might be easier. I encourage you to reach out. There are a number of great resources. The National Suicide Hotline is uh, among one of the best resources. I'm going to pull up 1-800-273-8255 any day of uh, the week, calling 911, reaching out to a close friend, contacting a minister or a spiritual leader or someone else in your in your very close circle. If you are struggling, please, please know you are not alone. There are so many people around you who are here to help care for you. Just need you to take one tiny step to reach out to get the help. Contacting a mental health professional to get seen as quickly as possible because we don't want you to stay in that place of hopelessness. If you have a friend who is, um, you know, you're worried about them, Keep them on the phone. If they've called you, keep them on the phone. Keep them engaged. Call 911 to get someone there. Um, it's always better to be safe and preventative than uh, to look back and say, I missed the cue. And it is a really hard scenario when the person either doesn't want help or doesn't see it as a major problem. It's just really hard, right? So I'm going to offer some suggestions knowing that all of them are going to be hard. Having family and friends gather around almost like an intervention kind of style where they don't want to go if they can hear from loved ones who care about him so much and say they just want to get help. We'll all go um, together with you. 
will sit at the hospital until things get settled. You know, I think it helps the person if they don't feel like they're alone and if they don't feel like it's us, them, right? So it's like, we're coming, we're coming around you. We're not on the other side of the fence from you. And so if there are any ways that you can think about how do I make this person feel like we are coming alongside you instead of being on the opposite side of you, if there are any resources that that person has had success with and that person can help come alongside them, really the key is to help them feel hope and feel like they aren't alone in all of it. How do we talk to our kids about this, right? Let me shift a little bit. Um, I know it can be really uncomfortable. And I guess one other thing is I'm just sitting here thinking about it. When we have someone in our life who um, dies by suicide, the ripple effect and the overwhelming feelings of all sorts of things, guilt, sadness, lots and lots and lots of things, they stick around for a long time. So if you know folks who have um, survived the loss of a loved one who died by suicide, please walk alongside them too, right? They, whether it's days or weeks or months or even years later, they could have some really significant feelings. And so continue just to check in. You know, I think the thing about grief and death and loss in general, folks tend to be really right there those first few days, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about your loss. Tell me what you need. We do a meal train, we do whatever. But then I think sometimes we forget that a month later, or two months later, or six months later, our friends still need us to say, how are you? What do you need? How can I be helpful? So just another thought there. What do our kids need? Uh, I often have uh, friends or family or folks who kind of say, hey, Beth, like, is it appropriate to talk about suicide with my kid? right? Or how much should I talk about with my kid? I don't really know. Is it okay? Is it not okay? And, and here's the real truth. Our kids are actually much more resilient than we give them credit for. So our little, little guys, so like our two to four-year-olds, they're not really going to have a clue what any of this means. They don't understand death. They don't understand a whole lot about different levels of emotion. And so our little, little guys are probably probably off the table, right? But I have had I have had kids as young as four or five or six who've said things like, I want to die or I'm gonna kill myself. And often at that age, they are using those words to communicate something else. But even at that young, our kids are ready to have some conversations. We just shift them um, a little bit. As we are thinking about our kids, I usually talk with our kids about, have you ever had thoughts of hurting yourself? Have you ever had thoughts of wanting to die? And those might feel so hard, right? It might feel so hard to ask your kids that, but it may be even harder for you to be ready for some of their responses. Right. So before you have these conversations with your kids, just realize some of them may have had thoughts of, I wonder what it would be like to die. 
folks who um, have a tendency toward depression or anxiety or other kind of mental health conditions may be at a higher risk. So if you're more prone to depression, remember that that feeling of hopelessness is uh, sometimes one of those triggers to feeling suicidal. So if you're a person who tends to sway on the side of depression a little bit, hopelessness and depression are good friends, unfortunately. And so when we have some depressive uh, symptoms and we have hopelessness, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid, but reach out to uh, the people that you know and love. So how do we talk uh, with our kids if they're not actually showing any signs of um, of wanting to hurt themselves, how can they be a good friend, right? So particularly our middle school or high schoolers, right? We might hear a middle school or high schooler who um, might talk about wanting to die. Maybe our kid isn't saying it, but maybe they know some people who are. How do we help our kids understand what suicide is, what it means, and how they can be a good friend? So um, if our kids have people close to them, Maybe you check your kid's phone and, and they have been talking with someone who said, hey, I just want to die or, or maybe I should just uh, kill myself or some, some version of that. It's important that our kids know what the resources are at school, at the community, that they need to come to us as parents or go to a trusted adult right away because our job is to keep people safe. I always come back to safety for kids because kids are really focused on physical, psychological, and emotional safety. So any conversation we're having about this, bring it back to safety. Our job is to make sure you're safe, that you know that we care about you, that you know that we love you. Bring it back to that. But our kids also are probably going to hear about folks who want to hurt themselves. And if we're not telling them or having some intentional conversation about it ahead of time, they may not know how to respond. Frankly, some of us don't always know how to respond either. And so practicing. So if you've heard me talk before, you know I talk a lot about practicing and I focus on communication strategies. So I, I encourage folks to like actually talk about it with someone before you go into any of these conversations. Practice it the way you practice an important presentation at your job because it is that important, right? So our middle schoolers or high schoolers, I often talk about it in terms of have you thought about hurting yourself? Have you thought about dying? And then do they have a plan? So if you were to do that, what would you think about doing? Okay. So as we talk about risk, we talk about sort of ideation, and then we talk about plan, and then we talk about access to um, complete that plan. And obviously the higher the risk is like if they have thoughts and a plan, and access to that plan. We don't let them out of our sight, right? We get them help and support and we reach out to people right away. And even if you're thinking they're on the edge of having some of those things, please reach out right away to a, a mental health provider, call 911, any of those things to, to make sure that we don't let that person get access to that thing that they had a plan for, okay? I actually hadn't planned on doing this until just this morning. And I was like, yeah, it's hard and uncomfortable for a lot of folks, but it's something that we just need 
to continue to do. We need to keep talking about it so we can get rid of the stigma around it. And I absolutely agree. Many folks may be shocked to hear the number of conversations I've had, very poignant conversations I've had with kids in my therapy office about wanting to die. They've thought about their funeral, who would be there, what would be on the the flyer that comes Um, who would show up uh, late, who would be there on time. I mean, some of our kids have really developed some real thoughts uh, around this. And so if we open the door, it is not that we are suggesting that they should commit suicide. It is absolutely that we are sending them a message that says, I am here. I am okay to talk about this with you right? That's the message we want our kids to hear and know. For those of you who want to continue the conversation here, I'd love to have more conversation in the comments box or, you know, I just want to thank everyone who has kind of joined along here because I know this is a hard conversation, but y'all, we can do hard things, right? It's one of my mantras. It is something that I talk so often about is we can do hard things and we can make this something that isn't hard anymore. Check on your friends, check on your neighbors, check on your college students, right? All the folks in those subcategories that were listed, check on those folks and just ask them, how are you? In fact, the one person that the keynote speaker that I'm going to find his name and I'm going to post it in there, he said there were just three questions that he wanted to hear. And that those were, how are you? Are you okay? How can I help? They're really simple questions. And we we may tend, and I'm I'm totally guilty of this, right? Where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm too busy. I don't really want to hear that whole answer. <laughs> That's what I need to do, right? I need to pause and be able to say, how are you? What do you need? How can I help? I appreciate all of you for joining in this mental health moment. I hope that it was able to reach even just one person who can have a different conversation. Again, thank you for listening for this hard conversation. And I look forward to hearing uh, from you and would love to um, have you comment or like or share this if this was helpful. Take care.